0: and I uh, I probably got halfway there, but I'm going to, because that's just the way I am, uh, that's the way to teach, I'm going to do a quick review of what I talked about last week, and then go into this week's, because I really want us to fully understand what this is all about. And so, Evangelism 101, the very first sentence on this paper that I've handed out to you is this, the purpose of the church in the world is to carry out the mission that Jesus left for us to accomplish. We need to hold on to that for a little bit. So the purpose of the church in the world is to carry out the mission that Jesus left for us to accomplish. So think about that. If that's the key then we need to stop and say, do I want to be a part of the church or not? Because once I become a part of the church, this is my mission. I don't really have a choice. It's my mission. By becoming a part of the kingdom of God, it's my mission. And so the purpose of the church in the world is to carry out the mission that Jesus left for us to accomplish. So Jesus started a mission by dying in the place of us dying so we can obtain eternal life. And so because of that, he trained 12 disciples and even more because you read later that there were 70 other 70 disciples. So he came and he trained 12 men and others to be effective in continuing what he started this is why jesus said greater things we will do than he did why not because we're going to do anything better but because we will have a longer time to do what he started so the purpose of the church in the world is to carry out the mission that jesus left for us to accomplish you got to know that So the question we all have to ask ourselves is, first thing is, am I a part of his church? Am I a part of the church of the living God? Am I a part of his body? Because the church is his body. Am I a part of him? And so once I can say, yes, I am a part of the church, then now by default, if you want to use that word for lack of a better term, by default, I don't have a choice now, but to join in and fulfill the mission that he started. That's it. That's it. This is why you've always hear me say, if we don't walk in the purpose that God had brought us into the kingdom for, we very well may miss out on eternal life. We can't live for God by just floating. We can't live for God by just, if I can, I can't. If I can, I can't. We have to live for God on purpose. We have to live for God on purpose. To use of the idea's word, love you on purpose, and she's right because you can't love somebody by default. You can't just love. Some, you have to really and truly, intentionally love somebody to love them. Well, it's the same thing with being a part of the church. You have to intentionally carry out the mission that God left for us. So we went over that last week and we went through scriptures that you will see on your paper that gave us instruction that we must we must be witnesses for Christ. So we went through that. But here is something that I want to point out. As I said, I'm doing a little review and some things I want to point out. That's key. So I told you the purpose of the church in the world is to carry out the mission that Jesus left for us to accomplish. Here's the other thing. The very nature of Evangelism demands, that, demands the transmission of knowledge and revelation from one person to another. So what it's saying is, for somebody to hear and know about Christ, somebody has to tell them intentionally. For someone to hear about Christ, someone has to tell them on purpose. They're not just going to just, oh, by the way, and hear it. It has to be done on purpose. And so that's another thing that we discussed last week that is very important. For someone to know about salvation, we must, somebody has to tell them. Remember this percentage that I talked about. Seth, no, I said 75% last week, but I went back and looked at the notes. You can look at it in this paper on the, on, the, on the handout that I gave you. Over 75% of people that came to church and got saved, they came because relative or a friend invited them. Over 75% of people that got saved or became a part of the church, over 75% of those people that came and got saved, it happened Because a friend or a relative told them. So, point is, 75% of the time, if you don't tell your family members, if you don't tell people that are close to you, if you don't tell your friends, they may not get saved. They may not get saved if you don't say it. Because God knows that all of us are connected to somebody. And sometimes we might want to just believe that somehow they will hear. Somehow they will end up in a church. We can't be that presumptuous. We have to say to ourselves, I have to tell them. And whether they like me or not after that, whether they reject me or not, it's okay. I have to tell them. Because they won't hear and respond in any other way until it's somebody That is close to them. People don't just take a word of a stranger and go with it and start doing it. They listen and have confidence in one that they know. Man, don't let me go down that road, Jesus. That is why you hear me preach Jesus all the time, Brother Darrell, and talk about him all the time. Because until you get to know him, you won't trust him. Until you get to know Jesus real good, you won't trust him. I can use Brother Sam as an example. He don't mess with people until he feel comfortable with them. It's no, That's natural. That's natural. That's not unnatural, by the way. Nobody just don't wake up and just meet somebody like, man, I, I just met that person today, but I trust them. Nobody does that. You kind of watch their life. You monitor them. Okay. All right see a little bit you say all right okay they seem real they seem real but you're still waiting still looking okay okay and you monitor you interact a little bit eventually when you come to know them when they say things then you start perking up in your hearing and say all right maybe i'll try that because you have some kind of relationship with them but we don't usually do what people tell us unless we have a relationship with them if it's something very important So I talk about Jesus a whole lot because I want people to know him. Because when you know him, you will trust him. Now, if you read throughout scripture, you will notice that most people that was able to be reached, they were reached through relationship. And it's quiet. Because... Ask yourself this, if I'm not good with relationship and Jesus is the epitome of relationship, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? If relationship is the driving force in Christianity and I'm just not one that's good with relationship, where does that leave me, Lord? Let's ask ourselves that right now, because I know I know that that's a biggie for a lot of people. They're not relational. They're not always, you know, one to want to, you know, be close with people. And so that's a challenge for a lot of people. But I have to tell you I'm not telling you to be in everybody's grill and smiling. But I'm telling you, if you don't train yourself to know how to be relational and know how to do handle people then you will not have an impact in God's kingdom and God called everyone to have impact in his kingdom so to tell God that there is a parable in the Bible that talked about the one the man that God gave the five talent the two talent and the one talent and, of course, the five talent went and did something with his five talent, got ten talents. The two talent did something with his two talents and got four talents. The one talent went and buried his one talent. And Jesus came back and says, well, this, the master came back and said, okay, what's up here? Why you didn't do anything with your one talent? And he said, this is, this is what he said. I know that you are a hard man. What he's saying is, I know you're strict. And I didn't want you to come back and wanted that one talent, and I didn't have it, so I had buried it. So when you came back, I can give you the one talent. And the master responded in this way, thou wicked and evil servant, saying that I want to reap where I did not sow. And so let's stop right there. When we don't do anything because we're worried about our ability, we're saying God is asking me to do something that he didn't equip me to do. God is trying to reap from my life that he didn't sow into. That's scary. That's really what you're saying when you say, ah, you know, this is just not me. And what I'm here to tell you is, It may not be who you used to be, but the Bible says when we become born again, we become new creatures. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. So I can't give God an excuse when I become born again. Because what it means when I become born again is he equipped me with the ability that I need. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He equips me with the ability that I need. And so now the only thing I can say is um, nothing. So I would become an evil servant if I look at the Lord and say, Lord, well, I didn't do much with that talent because I know that when you came back, you wanted to make sure I still had the talent. And he's going to say to me, you wicked servant, like he said to that servant with the one talent that buried it. So if relationship is not our strong suit, I guarantee you, if you will get to know Jesus Christ personally and you will trust him, you will see abilities just spewing out of your life that you didn't even know you had. The reason why you think that, oh, you know, I'm just not, it's because you haven't utilized the ability that's already in you. Because the Lord will give you the ability when you come born again, if you didn't have the, the ability before you became born again, God will give you the ability to do his work. And so it's important to understand that relationship is going to be a key component in completing the mission of Jesus Christ relationship will be the key component in fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. People that get saved and get into the kingdom of God, they get in because of relationship. Very seldom you meet a random stranger and tell them about Jesus and all of a sudden their life gets changed and they start coming to church. Very seldom. It's going to be the encounter that you have with any person that you meet it's going to be that encounter when you become get into a relationship with them all right so we talked about how is it that we're going to reach people since jesus wants us to continue his mission how is it that we're going to continue his mission in what he asked us to do second corinthians says in five i'm on page number two at the top second corinthians 5 and 20 it says that we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are the ambassadors for Christ. It means that we, as I said last week, ambassadors are people that are from a foreign country that come to another country to represent their country. So let me break it down. Christians, when you are born again, you are from the country called heaven. And America, let me change it, and the earth is the foreign country that you're in representing heaven. That's what it means by being an ambassador. It means you're from a foreign country representing your country. You're from your country, which is foreign, to where you are, and you're representing your country. So as Christians we're in this earth representing heaven because that's our country. That's where we are citizens. We are citizens of heaven, not citizens of the earth. We we are what they call um 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 what's the, permanent residents? And we can't use that word permanent because we won't be here permanent. I'm just trying to use what the immigration people use. So we're residents right now in this country called Earth. But our citizenship is the citizenship from heaven. That's who we are when we're born again. And so we must realize, as ambassadors, we come here representing our country heaven. Each born-again believer must intentionally build relationships with lost people. If we are to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ, all of us that are born-again Christians must intentionally build relationships with lost people. I have to say this Traditional Christians, usually they get saved and they stay to themselves only among their other fellow Christian people. Then we use the scripture that says, how can two walk except they agree? And we say all different kind of things when we're taking things out of context. When Jesus came to this earth, he fellowship with sinners and people talked about him. Did he fellowship with Christians? Yes, he did. So... What I'm telling you is Jesus always taught balance. We can't go to the extreme. I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. I don't talk to those kind of people. So how are they going to know about Jesus? If all we do is focus on us, how the people that we love are going to know about Jesus? I'm not going over to Auntie Sally because she just cuss and drink all the time. Well, how Auntie Sally going to know about Jesus. And we'll get to, get to that in a little bit because you're saying, yeah, but I don't want to go in that environment. We'll get there. But the bottom line is we must intentionally build relationships with lost people. And the key word there is relationship. All of it is key because we have to build it. Jump down a little bit. Proverbs 18 and 24. He who, sh- he who has friends must show himself or herself friendly. So if you're going to have a couple of people that you're you, you you're building relationships with, you have to show yourself friendly. You won't have friends if you stay to yourself. Somebody said, brother Darrell, if you get to 50 years old and you have two good friends, you're doing real good. And I, I I took that on, so I got two more years to get to 50. Not even yeah, two more years to get to 50. And so. I feel like I got a couple of friends, but when I get to 50, I want to be able to still say, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm looking forward to that because I believe in that. I believe in friends. I believe in relationships. So we have to make sure we build relationships with lost people. Now, we got to show ourselves friendly if we're going to have friends. So now the question is, okay, we have to continue the mission that Jesus started, which is to reach lost people. Okay, we need to lead people to Jesus so Jesus become the center of their life. And so where are these people going to come from that we need to reach to fulfill the mission that we're, we're now a part of by being a part of the kingdom? We are a part of his mission. We don't have a choice in that. The only way you you can get out of the mission is if you get out of the church. If you stay in the church, you have no choice but to be a part of the mission. If you don't want to be a part of the mission, you can just get out of the church. But once you're in the church, you automatically. So it means if you are in the church, but you don't do it, it means you are clearly rebelling against God. Relationship candidates. How are we going to find these people that we need to reach? We need to tell the gospel to them. There are three groups of people who are candidates for relationship evangelism. So we're talking about lost people now, lost people, because you've got us now. We've got each other. So we're all living for God. We're together. We come together on, Tuesday, on Thursdays, on Saturdays for prayer, on Sunday. We come together, So and when we do events, we come together. So we have each other. So that's the given. But there are people that are not saved that we need to have as well that we are building relationships with. So where are we going to find these people? So here we go. Relationship candidates. There are three groups of people who are candidates for relationship evangelism. People we currently know, one group. People we knew in the past, another group. People we would like to know in the future. So those are the three groups that we will begin to think about how we can now build relationships with them. Because our intention and our purpose is to teach them the word of God, is to get the word of God to them, is to get, get Jesus to them. We want them to be saved. We don't want them to be lost. We don't want them to go to hell. We want them to be saved. So the three groups of people that we're going to focus on are people we currently know, people we knew in the past, and people we would like to know in the future. That's clear, right? With each of these groups, it is important to be intentional in building relationships. A good way to do this is to create a list or create a list of individuals for each category and track the progress. Hope I didn't lose you there. So we said we're trying to to create a list of people that we can begin to build relationships with. A list of people we're trying to build relationships with. And we say it's people that we currently know, people that we knew in the past, and people that we would like to know in the future. Those are the groups of people that we need to reach out to to start building relationships with. So let's look at how we would do that, right? So we want to put those groups in three different categories. Each individual should move through segments of this simple path. So in order to start building the relationship with these groups, All of us need to follow these seven segments. The first one is initial contact. You got to make contact with the person. Isn't it it funny? You know, a lot of times living for God, we feel like if we pray hard enough, God works it out. And we never stop to think we pray God give us the answer and then we go. Do Do we think like that? Like like we got to pray and sometimes God will work it out. But many times we pray and God give us instructions and now our two feet got to go. We got to walk. Our hands got to go. We got to start talking because God has given us instruction to complete the process or the mission. So we must make initial contact. Then what we do after that? Become better acquainted with them. You may know people. Let me tell you something. I might be jumping ahead of myself, but let me say this. A lot of times we know people from seeing them all the time. But we don't know them because we never get into real conversation with them to know how they feel, to know how their day went, to know the things that they're experiencing in life, to know what they're challenged with, to know their fears, to know what they like. We never get into that because nowadays we just shallow and I'm only making contact with you because I probably can get something out the deal. And so that's how we operate. And so we only just, hey, hey, and we, you know, have shallow conversations. But if we're going to get acquainted with people, we're going to have to be intentional, purposeful in saying, let me do something special with this person. Let me spend some time with them that's not with everybody. That's how you become acquainted with someone. Even at an event, we can go to an event and you and that person might just break off and just... You're getting acquainted with that person. So, initial contact, become better acquainted, serve them. We talked about that. You want to get somebody to have a little bit of confidence in you, have a little bit of trust in you, serve them. Find a way to serve them. So, how can you do that? You can do that in many ways. I took the easy one last week and says, you go to the coffee shop, if you invite them out, because you're going to get acquainted with them, you invite them out, let's go to the coffee shop, easy place. And so you ask them, what would they like? Whatever way you got to do it. if you got to go sell bottles that day, I used to sell bottles back in the day when I was a kid in Jamaica. When I was broke and I wanted to go to racetrack, that's what I sold it for. I didn't, y'all, I was a different kid. I sold bottles to get money to go to the racetrack because I love the horse racing. So that's what I sold the bottles for. So I didn't sell it to get a, a, a toy. I sold it to go to the track. So how bad I was. And this had to be like 10 years old. So God bless the kids that grow up nice and do the right thing. I just was off the chain a little bit. But the bottom line is, invite them out to coffee. Ask them what they would like. Sell bottles if you need. Sell cans. Whatever you got to sell to get a little extra money in your pocket. I'm not assuming everybody got it okay where they can treat somebody. But go the extra mile and figure out a way to get some money in your pocket. And when they order a latte, you, you say latte, okay? You say, hey, go ahead and sit over there. I'll get your latte for you. Order the latte. You get a coffee, and the, the latte costs, you know, three ninety five if you get a tall. And so, so you get a latte. You know, that's a small tall and it's Starbucks. I don't know about Dunkin' Donuts. And so you get a latte, three ninety five, right? And you get your latte. And since you didn't have a lot of money, you buy a cup of coffee for yourself. And that coffee is gonna cost 198. Small. And so you get the 198 coffee, you get the one the 395 latte, and you get them together And while your buddy, your sister is over there, you bring the two, and you sit your latte latte down, and you sit down and you sip on your coffee, you just serve them. Just serve them. So that's what you want to do. You serve them. Then you move to a level of friendship. Now they're saying, Oh, you know. This gal ain't half bad or this dude ain't half bad. And so now you move the level of friendship where you're texting a couple of times a day, you know, every once in a while, hitting them up on a phone call or whatever. And so now you got dialogue going, right? Then because you got dialogue going, you can start to share a little bit of what God had done in your life. Why? You, I never heard you curse. People don't like to say that, but you know, they thinking that. I ain't never heard you curse. And I don't see you get real Upset like everybody else, and now here comes the window of opportunity. Say, so yeah, well, you know, I wasn't always like that. I used to just be just short-tempered. I used to lose it quick. But man, I tell you, I started going to church and God started working in my life, and all those things started going away. And now what you see is just the things that God has done in my life. And you leave it at that. Expose them to the gospel. You know, start as you tell them what God has done in your life, start telling them how the word of God worked in your life. Then finally, invite them to church. They will come because you and them have a relationship. They will come because you serve them. They will come because you and them have a relationship. This is what the gospel is all about. By you fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ, this is how you do it. We thought it was just difficult to do. And we thought we had to be evangelists, so-and-so. And all this is about is relationship. Somebody say relationship. That's all it's about. It's building relationship. All right. So those are the seven points that you want to use to start doing it. So here's the first group. First group of people. You currently know. It's people that you know. We said the first group is going to be people that we currently know. Friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, acquaintances. Suggestions to reach this group. Here's how it goes. Somebody say pray. The first thing that you do before you even talk to anybody about Jesus is start praying for them. Don't go talking to people about Jesus if you didn't start praying for them. Not unless this is a random person you're meeting and you don't know them and you don't know, you feel God is saying, tell them about me. But, but, but these people we're talking about that you know, friends, family, people that you know, start praying for them before you start telling them about Jesus. So pray for them. Listen to this statement. Remember to talk to God about people before you can talk to people about God. And all of us get discouraged because we try to talk to people about God before we talk to God about them. Because we can't do nothing with people. A lot of times we think we can do something with people. No, we can't do anything with people. But God can. God can work in people's life. I can't work in your life. I am just a messenger. I am just a vessel that God can work through. But God does the work. His spirit does the work. His word does the work. And so God does the work, not me and not you. So in order for people's life to be impacted by what you will say to them, put them on a list. I've got my list. I'm not teaching you something that I haven't been doing already. So I've got my list of people that i know that i have on a list that i'm praying for their salvation and god will open the door of opportunity when it's time for me now to tell them about god and i'm not going to be shocked when they start responding in a positive way why i've been praying for them for months man you kidding me weeks days whatever so why would i be shocked when they said you know i've been wanting to go to church i'm glad you asked me i'm not gonna fall out my chair when they say that I'm not going to be rubbing my bald head when they say they like, oh, my goodness, they coming to church. No, I've been praying. Why shouldn't they come? But over the years, we invite people to church because we frustrated. Man, you need to get your life together. You need to go to church. And people say, you're right. I've been seeing your life. And there ain't nothing better about your life than mine. I don't have to go to no church. You see why it's important to make sure God work in your life and change you because if people don't see a difference in your life then they won't want to take you up on your invitation. If your life is not looking like it's better off than theirs they might not take you up on your invitation. This is why I said if you've been on welfare before you come to church and you come to church and you get touched by God, you're born again Water and Spirit, God is working in your life. After a while, you should be off welfare. That's not disparaging. I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. What I'm saying is God is so good. God is so good that He's going to bless you, and you won't need welfare. Is what I'm saying, because it works in two ways. You're blessed making more money, and God look good. This is what I'm talking about. So when you come to God. There must be some improvement in your life. People got to look and say, man, that girl started going to church. I remember when she was on welfare. Look at her now. She's wearing high heels and she looked like she wearing that expensive pocketbook over there and my goodness, and now she don't hang out at the bars no more. Lord. And you're praying for that lady who's saying all that. They used to drink with her and you're praying for her. You're praying for her. All of a sudden, you walking by one day in your high heels and smelling good in your ch- Chanel. And he's, hey, how you been? And all of a sudden say, you're looking good. And you're going to say, boy, Jesus has been good to me ever since I've been living for him. Why don't you come to church with me one day? Because it's somebody that you know. And you've been praying for weeks. All of a sudden, boom, here she come. Yeah, you know, I do that. Why? Because you was praying for her. So, pray for them. Include them in activities you are already doing. So, again, we're trying to fulfill Jesus' mission. So, the people you know that you're praying for, invite them out to activities that you may be doing. So, if, like, church picnic coming up, July 30th is our church picnic. Invite somebody to the church picnic. We'll play some dominoes. We'll have the kids playing. We'll eat some food. We can have some board games. Invite somebody out. We won't be knocking tambourines and playing drums and singing. <laughs> Invite somebody out. And so they get to come around us in our activity. You don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to beat them in the head or with the word of God. It's part of the process. You're, you're befriending them. You're, 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 make, you're building a relationship with them. We're getting there. And so we need to include them in things that we're doing, right? Socialize. Invite them to dinner or at your home. It's a big one. Inviting people in your home and having dinner with them is very important. Invite them over, have dinner with them, and then invite them to church. Invite them to a church focus event or invite them to church eventually. So that's the group of people that you currently know. The group of people that you knew in the past, now it's a little different with people in the past. Here's what we're going to do. Where do you get the, the, the list for people that you knew in the past? Okay, your old friends, your boys from back in the day. Previous church members, people that you knew used to go to church with you and they stopped going to church. Reach out to them. Co-workers, you may have changed jobs. And so you're doing another job, but there's some other people you used to work with that you kind of had a good little, you know, reputation with. You was good with them. Reach back to them. Also, what's a good thing is mailing lists, mailing lists. So the church have a mailing list. We have a mailing list. If you ever want, if you get real serious about this and you're saying, pastor, I want to make contact with people that we, 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 we had come to the church Are you able to, you know, get me, you know, send something out? And I will work with you on that because I don't want to give away anybody's personal information. But I will say, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's sit together and let's go over that list. You try to remember some of the names and I may have the address in the computer and we'll send them out a postcard. We'll send them out a letter just letting them know we missed them. So that's another way of reaching to people that you knew in the past. And then church visitors list. Okay, church visitors list, obviously people that has come to visit our church, we can also reach back out to them. So that's a way of reaching people that are that you used to know in the past. Suggestion to reach this group, pray for them. Always the first thing you do. Remember to talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Refresh the relationship. Everybody know how to do that. The other day, I was at um, Food Bazaar. And we used to teach in this nursing home in Lambertville. And I'm getting my stuff from my jerk chicken. And I'm getting my peppers and I get my jerk seeds and I'm getting my scallions and I'm moving along and getting some stuff. And this girl walked up to me and I said, Lord, I don't want nobody from my past trying to hit on me right now. I'm trying to get my stuff. Just just and I saw it out of the corner of my eyes. I'm just acting like I don't I don't see her. I'm just getting my peppers and stuff. And she finally came over. Hey. You don't remember me? I said, not really. You used to teach in the nursing home where, um, where I work. I said, which one is that again? And she told. I said, oh, as soon as she told me Lambertville, I said, yeah, I remember you. Say how you doing? And how the other girl that worked there? And so, what we were doing, refreshing. Everybody know how to do that. You do that by accident. People just say, hey, what's going on? get your name. What's your name? Where you from again? Refresh. So, we got to get some refreshing, refreshing the relationship. Uh, if it's people that you haven't seen in a long time, write them a letter and reach out to them. Invite them to dinner. These are people you used to know. Invite them to church so we can we can reach out to people that we haven't seen in a while, that we used to be friends with in the past, but we haven't seen them in a long time. This is how we will reach out to them. And the third list is people you would like to know in the future. Here we go. Co-workers. There are people you probably just started your job. You don't know them real good. You see them. and you say, I like how they work. You want to know them a little bit better. Your neighbors. There are people that live on your street that you don't know, but you want to know them real good. Reach out to them. Your kids, friends, parents, and teachers. Or your kids, friends, parents, teachers, um, store clerks. Look at me. Starbucks Marista. Barista. The barista is the one that made the drink. Uh, store clerks, community leaders is a big one. Community leaders. These are people that you want to know. You want to know these people. How do you do this? Okay. You pray for them. You want to know the mayor? Pray for her. Well, Hamilton mayor is a her. Pray for her. Okay. So you pray for her. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's a big one. Christians, a lot of Christians, my brothers and sisters that I love dearly, um, do a bad job in talking to people, Brother D. Let me talk to you, Brother D. Brother D, let me tell you a secret. If we're going to have impact in people's life and all we're looking for is an opportunity to just tell them everything we know about God and tell them everything about church and tell them about what God, if that's all we do, they will never listen to us. And unfortunately, I've seen so many Christians turn so many people off because all we want to do is push Jesus's agenda. And Jesus wants you to push his agenda, but the way he wants you to do it, not the way you want to do it. And Christians are so wanting to tell everybody because somehow, here we go. Somehow, brother D, when we get saved, if 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 we feel like, you know, me and Sam was kind of cool. We was, you know, on the same levels. We did the same thing. I get saved and I want to act like I'm better than Sam now. So when I see Sam, yo man, I'm telling you, man, you know, because I'm I'm saying, you know, God is good and this is what. You, and you just keep on talking because now I want to let Sam know I'm better off than him. Sam ain't listening to me. It don't work that way. And Christians do it all the time. If you're one of them, please don't do it. People don't want to hear what you have to say until you're willing to listen to them first. And instead of, we got to have wisdom. So when you meet somebody, so let's do this again. So, you know, me and Sam was cool and we was tight, D. And so now... I'm living for God. I'm going to church. I'm mean, he saying, hey man, I'm saying, what's up, what you doing? And all I'm asking is saying, so what you been doing? Hey, what's up? What, what happened to Daryl? What happened to Teddy? And I'm asking all kinds of I ain't saying nothing about Jesus. All I'm asking him is what's going on. How is everybody doing? How your family? I'm just talking about everything but Jesus and asking him. He doesn't know nothing about me right now. He don't know I'm living for God. If he say I'm living for God, yeah, um, so-and-so tell me you was going to church. Yeah, I am. So what's going on with so-and-so? Cut it quick right there. That's a soul winner right there. Because the more I talk to him about him, the more interesting or interested he get about me. You think people want you to ask them all the questions and talk about them and you walk away and they know nothing about you? People don't like that. So you're going plug them for all the information and now you're walking. No, no, no. They want to know what's up with you now. So it's not hard, but you got to be patient and fill with God's wisdom to know, talk to that individual and listen to them. And then try to get into a place of common ground and talk about what they're talking about. So if they want to talk about, you know, Say they want to talk about a job and you know a little bit about that job. Get in, start talking about that. Don't just listen passively. You follow what I'm saying? Don't just listen passively, but listen on purpose and get involved. Talk to them. Let them see that you're interested in them because you're supposed to be because this is about relationship. That's the way it works. If we're going to win our families, if we're going to win people from our past, and if we're going to win people that we want to know, this is the way we have to do it. And remember, we're, we're at the place where we're saying to win people, but we understand that this is the mission of Jesus Christ. So this is not me telling you this is what you got to do. This is me showing you in scripture that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he says, once you become a part of me, you come in my kingdom, then you now take on the mission. And you now start to do what I started and what I left behind for you all to complete. That's what we got to do. We don't have a choice. If we don't want to do it, just get out. So we need to make sure we talk to them, get to get get into conversation with them. And then we are able to listen to them and they can tell us stuff. So we, we need to... Ask about them and listen to them. The time will come later when you can give good, sound, biblical direction. The greatest thing a Christian person could do in their life, and maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but I know what I'm saying. One of the most important things a Christian can do is be in somebody's life in the greatest time of need that they have in their life. This is why you don't have to rush to give them the gospel. This is why you don't have to force your way in. Because if someone is going through a situation with their children, if someone is going through something with their job, if somebody's going through something with their home, they're going through something in their marriage, they're going through something with their, with their siblings, whatever it is that's important and significant to them, that's when I tip right in there and says, you know, I don't have all the answers. But I'm telling you, man, I had some issues too, and I started trusting the Lord Jesus. That's what changed my life. And, and that's when you say, listen, what do you have to lose to trust him? Right? You're going through, you know what, already. we going to lose to trust him. That's when you get it in. Listen to them. Let them talk. That's when you get it in. All right. Let's move along here. Build areas of common ground. Mention spiritual as soon as there is an opportunity. That opportunity might not come right away, so just wait it out cultivating new prospect outside of personal influence here are some examples that i've found effective so okay we talk about the personal relationship but here's something i will throw out real quick before we get into the last part of this lesson if 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 you're you're not seeing any prospect through the personal relationship here are other avenues hospital outreach You can go to the hospital, hang out at the hospital, and just meet people and just befriend people. Everybody at the hospital is usually going through something unless they work there. Because nobody wants their loved one to be in hospitals. Hospital outreach. Community evangelism. Door knocking, canvassing the neighborhood. Laundromat. Ministry. If you're one that has to use the laundromat, that's a good place to meet people. As a matter of fact, that sounded so good. I said, man, if you got the time. Take some clothes to the laundromat sometimes because people stuck there for at least how long? Hour, right? If they have a small load, hour. Clothes going to wash 25 minutes is going to have to dry in 20 minutes. So at least an hour, if you got it, that's a small load. That's plenty of time to befriend somebody. That's a good ministry. You got to go to laundromat. Somebody use that. That's woo. I think if I had time, I would get involved in that one. That one sounds good. People hemmed up in the laundromat. They got to talk. What well, we gonna talk about anything? That's you know laundromat, barbershop. That's where the most gossip go on because you stuck there for a minute. So you find yourself getting into gossip. Well, just get into Jesus. My goodness. And so here we talk about reach, how we have to reach, then secure in Bible studies and how we can secure bible study so all of these things we must reach out to people right we must be committed to the belief that teaching preaching and obedience to be the word of god to the word of god will set people free we got to realize that the best way to get the word of god into new believers is to teach them a bible study so here's where i'm finishing up at the most effective way to reach people is to teach them a bible study Remember, it's relationship that will always cause you to impact people's life. Not you just being a stranger to them, but relationship. So look at this. Securing Bible studies. Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 26. We read an incredible account of a spirit-led Bible study. Philip understood what thou readest. Okay? That was Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch treasurer. And so Philip met him, and he was reading his Bible, trying to see something in there about Isaiah. So Philip met him and says, do you know what you're reading? The Ethiopian treasurer says, how can I accept some man should guide me? This is one of the many examples of Bible study that was taught in the original church. This example also shows us that people desire to be closer to God, but simply need some guidance. Let me tell you something. People don't know a lot about the word of God. God is like the president of the United States to people. It's a good example. You know that he exists, but you don't know really anything really truthfully and intimately about him. But you know, he is the president. So we know all about that the United States have a president, but you don't know him. Well, that's, the, that's how God is to many people. They know that there's a creator. They know that there's a God, but they have no idea about anything personal about him. So the question is, we have to take the time out to teach them about God. We must take the time out. So securing a Bible study is making sure you try to figure out a way to, to, to get them to, you know, Say, I want a Bible study. So we got Philip showing us how to get a Bible study there. And let me tell you, whenever you're going to try to help somebody get a Bible study, here is what you're always saying. Our bishop of our organization, I first heard him said this, and this is the best way to get Bible study with people. Once you befriend them and you have a relationship with them, always tell them this, God has so much more for you. Why that is so important? Everybody has some kind of traditional e- exposure of religion. And you don't want to offend them because they had something that they may have believed in, which probably wasn't all of what they need to know, but they believed in something. So when you're trying to secure someone a teaching Bible, and say, listen, God has a lot more for you than you can ever believe. And so... Would you be interested in in us getting together and studying the Bible together? Because God has more for you. So that way, if there was any religion, you don't have to worry about offending them if they were studying some other kind of religion. Because all you're telling them is God has more for you, more than you can ever know. Why is that so important? Ananias and Paul in Acts chapter 9. Paul was learning, but it took Ananias to go to Paul, and and God used Ananias to tell Paul about the gospel and laid hands on him and, and prayed for him. Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius was a man of God, but he needed Peter to come and teach him more. Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos was a man of God. The Bible says he was excellent in the scriptures. But he still needed to know more. So Aquila and Priscilla was sent to him, husband and wife team, to help him understand. So all of us need a little bit more teaching in the word of God. So that's how you're going to introduce somebody to a Bible study is, listen, God has more for you. And if you allow me to work with you, we can together study the word of God. You can do it. If you're at a place right now where you don't feel like you can get it done, befriend them and ask them to do a Bible study, and when they agree to it, you can bring me with you. You can sit in, I can teach it, and you can sit in, so that way they still keep the connection of you being friendly with them, you having the relationship with them, and me teaching them, because now you become the bridge to say, I know him pretty good, what he's saying is true, and look at what he's showing, going to the Bible. So if you need me to come in and sit in with you, I will. But if you don't think, I want you to know you can do it on your own. That's what I'm going to show you about these things real quick. So that's how you get the Bible study and get them to start studying the word of God. When secure in the Bible study, uh, um, Bible studies, there are some things we can do on our part to aid God's process. We've got to assess, offer, teach, and love. So before you offer the Bible study, see where the people are. See if they're hungry for God or they're not. Don't offer the Bible study to someone that, that just seems like they don't want to know more about God. We've got to be smart. So if someone don't seem too interested, just keep loving them, keep befriending them, but don't offer any Bible study because they may not be ready. Offer it when you feel like they're ready, right? And when you offer it and they're ready, they'll accept it, then you teach it together, and you keep loving them. And so that's the principle. Principles for teaching a successful Bible study. When you secure and begin the Bible study, never cancel or reschedule unless absolutely necessary. Consistency is everything. It is more difficult to resurrect a Bible study than than it is to birth a Bible study. Encourage the Bible study student to invite family and friends to the study. Consider transitional steps in the Bible study. For example, teach relationship before doctrine. When you're talking about Jesus Christ, you want to teach about relationship, relationship, before you start telling them about salvation. The best part of a Bible study is helping people to fulfill the two greatest commandments. And so when you are teaching a Bible study, you should be doing it, but the people you're going to teach, they should come to know. To love God and to love people. That's what basically we're supposed to know and do throughout our life is to love God and love people. Let me say this as I'm closing up here. You can read the rest of it because I gave it to you. If you need extra copy, we can get you an extra copy. Here are the Bible studies that you can teach. If you meet people, you go through the process of befriending them. Here are Bible studies that you can teach. This middle Bible study chart here is called Search for Truth. Search for truth. This Bible study is, is going to help you to build a relationship and teach people the word of God because it, it takes a good little while to get through it. The Old Testament, what it is. Let me tell you, when somebody go through Bible study, their chances of staying in church is a whole lot better than someone that didn't go through it. And so you teach the Bible study, you can ter- teach search for truth. This is the other one, exploring God's word. Same kind of deal like this. It's a long process. But a lot of people like um, Pastor, Pastor White that came here a couple of Thursdays ago and taught, I taught him this Bible study. And I kept going and kept going. And I taught it for weeks and weeks. But today, I can say Pastor White is my best friend. Yes, because we developed a relationship when I was teaching this to him. And we became tight. Lord didn't know I didn't I had no idea God was going to use him to pastor a church while we was going through this. And I will bring him up again to say, don't you underestimate what God can do in your life? Don't you dare think that you know what God's going to do in your life? When Pastor White sat on the couch where I taught him. On Massachusetts Avenue in Hamilton, across the street from where you live, you only know when I leave your house many evenings, I just run over to his house. Hey, bro, what's going on? But when I was teaching him, he had no idea God was going to make him a pastor. You don't worry about what God's going to do in your life. You just learn and the teachers just teach. And so, again, it's the most effective way to reach people for Jesus. This was the Bible study I taught him. And then you have this Bible study here, exploring God's word. Very good one. But these, again, long term, long term. Now, this is the Bible study. That you can use when someone is like, I'm not trying to build no relationship with you, but I hear what you're saying. It sounds real. This is the the Bible study of salvation. Salvation. Now, the other thing about this one is if the individual is already coming to church, but maybe they don't understand salvation, you teach them this one. Beyond belief. This is powerful. Powerful matter of fact got a lot of extra copy of those but this one you can just pull out and you and somebody can just go through it it is powerful beyond belief so if they just want to know salvation they want to know how to get saved this is the one this one gets you saved this one gets you saved but it's a long process you use it to build relationship while you're doing it any questions evangelism 101 there's many ways to reach people but the bottom line is we have to build relationships that's if you didn't hear anything else hear that part you have to build relationships you have to make initial contact you have to serve people you have to be able to 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 befriend people and and and, and care about people and listen to what people say you don't you know try to force this on them you, you let them talk and you you find common ground with them that's what jesus did remember the, 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 I think the greatest um, demonstration of evangelism was the lady at the well that Jesus met. I think that's the greatest demonstration of, of of evangelism. He met her and he started talking to her about her personal life to the point where she feel like, wow, this guy care. He knows something about me. And because she thought he cared and knew something about her, she started listening. This woman got converted. And went and got a whole village converted. Whole village was converted by a woman that everybody was looking down on. Girl been married five times. Six times. Whatever. I think five or six. And she was living with somebody. And I'm sure everybody was talking about her. But she converted a whole village because of relationship. Because Jesus met her. And he didn't condemn her. But he got a dialogue going with her. Dialogue going with her. So evangelism 101 is about relationship because you're trying to get them into a Bible study. You're trying to get them to come to church. You're trying to get them to be taught. People that are taught in the word of God will live for God a long time. But if we just force something down people's throat and just tell them what to do, they eventually go to the left because they were just doing something because you was trying to force it to them and they just did it just to get you off their back. Sometimes, and not sometimes, many times with me, I just try to go real slow with people. I don't rush because I want people to come to the place where they can see it for themselves and make their own decision. Because when you make your own decision, oh, you're going to last. When somebody's trying to force you to make a decision, that's not good. I'm not here to force anybody to make a decision. I want everybody to get it for themselves. My, You just pray that I teach it right. See, God, use them to teach it so I can understand it. That's what you pray for me. Because if i can teach it so you can understand it then you can get clarity and you can make good decisions and you will make the right godly decision because you understand it if i don't teach it right then you you, you say ah, yeah, i don't understand that and a lot of time when we don't understand we don't say it we just ah, in our mind ah, i don't understand that so just pray for me that i can teach it right preach it right so you can understand it so you can make your 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 decisions that god wants you to make because once you understand it is when you're going to do it because once you understand it you will be able to explain it to people this is what i do because you do whatever you want but this is what i do because you don't want to find yourself in a place where you're saying well our church or our pastor it's not a good place to start explaining our organization not a good place to explain You need to be able to say, Jesus, the Bible, those are the things that when you respond to somebody, you want to respond to say, well, the Bible says or Jesus says that's what you want to respond to. But when you start telling people about your pastor said and you start telling people about, well, our church do and our organization, when people start talking like that, I start scratching my head because I'm saying, Lord, what if your church wrong? What if your pastor wrong? What if your organization wrong? Right? So I need people to say, well, in me reading the scripture, this is what it said to me. In me praying, God put this thought in my mind. That's who you want to be able to explain people about is explain to them about Jesus and what the Bible says. Any questions that one may have tonight? Yes, ma'am. I, you notice I didn't say weeks because I don't believe that um, everyone will teach them at a different pace. So I taught Brother White this Bible study for one year, so that's why I left it out because it's gonna it's gonna come down to the the, the hunger or the thirst of the student and the willingness of the teacher. That makes all the difference. I'll stay in your house two years if I have to, to just keep teaching. Well, I love God and I love the people. I don't want to leave you until I know that you're okay. So that's why, to me, I can't put time on it. Now, I could do it in six months. I mean, if you're good and you're hungry, like, you know, <laughs> um, put my little young man Luke out on the spot. Luke is hungry. And so he eats it up. You know, we had Bible study the other day and I just said, say, all right, Luke, that's it now. Let, go home. Uh, I don't want Because Luke would stay all night long and just have me and him talking about the scripture. That, that's like, I mean, that's powerful. He would stay there all night long and have me and him talk about scripture. And so I, I'm just so excited about that. But I can't get carried away because Luke wanted to talk about scripture all night long. So when we do this, you got to put a time limit. And what I do is when I teach Bible study, 35 minutes. And that's it. Now I feel questions afterwards, but 35 minutes is the longest I will go because it's not, you, you don't want people to get tired of you. You want them to want more of what you're teaching, not saying, man, I'm worn out when you get done. So you want to make it short and sweet and to the point. Any other questions about this lesson? Everybody good? Yes, yes. Any questions? Y'all don't look like you already teach Bible study or go befriend somebody and start building relationship. Listen, remember I told you this. It's the surest way to secure your own salvation. Did I leave that out? Everything that I talked about here tonight, everything that I talked about here tonight is the surest way to keep your salvation. To keep your eternal life. It's the surest way. Yes, we start with having our relationship with Jesus. But how many people started out having their relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden you're like, what happened? Because they weren't doing this. I'm telling you like I know it. They weren't doing this. And I can even say for myself, if I don't do this, I'm not in a good place. This is what keeps you in a real relationship with the Lord. This is the thing that will drive you. In your relationship with God. This right here. If you don't do this and you stay in church for a long time, brother D, you become religious. Anybody want to be religious? (laughs) Yes, I'm, I'm just giving you the truth. If you just come to church all your life and you never get involved with this, you will be religious. As a matter of fact, so religious that you're going to hurt people that come into the church that's looking for Jesus. Cause, because now you become so religious that you got to defend your territory and people that come in that's new, you feel like your territory gets threatened. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm supposed to be done, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm trying to make you understand how important this is that I'm talking about. If you don't do this, you're going to be just a churchgoer, a religious person. And after a while, all you're going to want to do is come to church and sit in your same seat, defend your territory and go home and say, I went to church. And you won't be doing a whole lot of praying. You won't be reading your Bible. Jesus Christ won't be really real to you. Everything you do will just be a repetitious religious experience. But when you do this, you have to go like this when you do this up and then this way so now you're you have to reach up every day because when you get involved with people's life you know you don't have the capacity or capabilities to to do nothing with people but you know he does so you have to plug into him every day you have to really pray and so you are driven to pray so you got to get plugged into him and pray and when he when you feel connected to him now you can go and talk to others and here's the deal When you get involved with people and you realize people's life is at stake and you're trying to reach them so they can be saved. Oh, man, it it changes your whole view. And then here's the clincher. And if you are privileged enough to start working with someone and they went from cussing, drinking, stealing, all kind of stuff to repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost and living a godly life and you were in the middle of that. Your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. You will say, oh my goodness, look at that life get transformed. Your life will never be the same again. That's what happened to me. Got involved with it. My life was never the same. When I go into somebody's home, the two not married, they don't, they just, you know, living how people live in the world when you're not married. And they went from that to marriage, to children, to buying home, to getting in church to serving in the church ministry in the church you're looking back like you don't brag you don't get boastful because you know god do it but when you look back and you realize if i never met them would they be in church today would they have the family that they have today Would they live in for god and enjoy the things of god today if i didn't meet them that changed your life it makes you live differently and the days when you get weak, so here's the clincher. and I'll finish right here. The days when you get weak and you feel selfish and you feel downtrodden, and you feel like nobody cares about you. and You feel like, man, life is just hard and bills got to be paid. And those days when you feel like I just want to just do whatever I want and I don't care, I just don't care. You start thinking about all of those people's life that you had reached through this and you says, I can't give up. I can't stop. I can't let all what's wrong with me just stay there. I have to get myself together. This make you get yourself together. I'm putting in your hands the tool that will give you a real relationship with God and that will help you live for God for a long time, as opposed to just being religious and just coming to church. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your love. Great is your faithfulness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Father, we thank you for your word and for every person that is here tonight.